0: Welcome to another episode of Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM, where we dissect topics and issues relating to life in veterinary school. I'm your host, Seth Williams, and I'm a veterinary student at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. Today's podcast is sponsored by Fear Free. Fear Free provides online and in-person education to veterinary professionals, the pet professional community, and pet owners. Fear Free has become one of the single most transformative initiatives in the history of companion animal practice and provides unparalleled education on emotional well-being, enrichment, and the reduction of fear, anxiety, and stress in pets. Today on the podcast, we're talking about money, money, money. But not the money we're making, rather we're talking about the money that makes us sad. Yes, it's the gloomy student loans. So for those of you that don't know, the average veterinary school graduate today leaves vet school with over $160,000 in debt. So considering the average salaries for both new and seasoned veterinarians, it's really no wonder why the debt topic is such a hot one right now. It's really uh, the depressing debt-to-income ratio that has been one of the most talked-about topics in VetMed, and as far as I know, there's no signs of it getting a whole lot better anytime soon. But today, I'm relieved and excited to welcome on an expert in student loans and someone that can share with us some tips and tactics on managing our debt in a way that works for each of us uh, in our unique scenarios. So welcome on Travis Hornsby. He's the founder of Student Loan Planner, and he lives and breathes student loans. He's here today to share what we can do to tackle our student loan debt. Welcome to the podcast, Travis. How's it going?
1: Good, good. It's a, uh, it's a good Thursday.
0: <laughs> good. So thank you very much for coming onto the podcast today. Um, I'm really excited to pick your brain about this uh, this weird topic that I feel like a not not a lot of vet students know a lot about, but I'm glad you're here because you're an expert and you can help us sift through all this this uh murky water here so before we get started i want to just ask uh, a bit about yourself your background and and how you got into what you're doing
1: sure so my my wife is actually a physician and she had a bunch of med school debt and we had the the discussion when we were starting to get serious with our, our dating about what we were going to do about it <laughs> and uh she's the kind of person that really doesn't like thinking about money i'm, I'm sure there's a lot of veterinarians out there maybe some of your listeners that, are, that kind of fall into that category right and uh, and she just wanted me to come up with her options and come up with a plan for. Her. So I did some studying and found that there really wasn't any good resources out there to figure out some you know what you should do when you owe more than a hundred thousand dollars. There's a lot of places out there that are like, "How I paid off my twenty-two thousand dollar undergraduate loans in six months with Uber side hustles." Right. <laughs> you know, it seems like there's that's the article you always see, right? Right. But you don't really get that take of, you know, okay, I'm a, I've got this advanced education. I've got more debt than most people's mortgage. What am I supposed to do with it? You know? And I built some, some tools, some calculators started sharing them online based off of my experience, making stuff for my wife. And then she told me to start making it for her friends and then those friends told friends. And then from there, you know, we've built up this company and have had 1100 clients so far about a little over three hundred million that we've consulted on. Wow! So uh, I joke that that's, that's that's almost like real money.
0: Oh yeah, that's terrific. And what's the uh, the breakdown between med students and vet students and other other uh, I guess professional students?
1: Yeah. So my main client groups are veterinarians, physicians, and dentists. That's the the majority if you put those three groups together. Mm-hmm. But um, but I have people from pretty much every profession you can imagine that has a lot of debt. Sure. So pharmacists, chiropractors. Um. certified uh, registered nurses, anesthetists, like physician assistant, right. uh, everything, you know, I mean, I've even seen it for pilots and uh, for cantorists. Wow. So I, I had a, I had a, um, somebody who was singing for a, uh, um, for a synagogue that had 200,000 in student loan Holy debt. Moly. So it, it goes way beyond just the typical occupations you would think of. And it's really, you know, anything that could cause you to go into a lot of, of debt from, from any kind of an educational degree. Sure,
0: sure, and and I know that and I well I know that you are very familiar with the the topic of debt to income ratios and and especially in in veterinary medicine that's one of the the hot topics right now especially uh, amongst vet students is that the amount of debt that we're coming out of I think the average number that I, I just read a couple of weeks ago and I'm not sure of how accurate this is but I think the average vet students coming out with between 150 and 200 thousand dollars in debt. Um, that the salaries we're making right out of vet school and even as a seasoned veterinarian make it incredibly difficult to, uh, to to pay back those loans in a timely manner and still live the way we want to live. My question to you is, do you find that that is a, uh, a common problem amongst most, if not all, medical professionals?
1: It is. So the numbers that you mentioned are pretty spot on, I think, if you look at the average just overall. Mm-hmm. My client average, and I've had 200 veterinarians specifically that this is based off of, it's about 270,000. Holy so boy. yeah, so my, my average vet debt is larger than the average overall, which kind of makes sense because you're only gonna reach out to somebody like me if you really have a lot of debt. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so I think that the the challenges with the income, you know, veter, veterinary medicine is, is something that, um, it's very challenging to make a, you know, make a sort of a huge salary doing it. Sure. I mean, just because, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing, I've read some, some report by the AVMA that was talking about how, um, the demand for veterinary medicine, you know, in some regards is kind of like discretionary income. So it's, you're, you're deciding whether or not you want to buy that new car or spend it on, you know, your, your, your pet or your animals. And, and, uh, so it's, it's a little bit sensitive to the economic cycle. So it is sometimes challenging to make a huge income as a veterinarian, but it's, but it's still possible to do pretty well. Um, I, I would say you know seventy thousand is kind of the average salary that my clients tend to start out with mm-hmm. and I and usually those folks end up hitting maybe 120 to one thirty k as uh seasoned veterinarians with production bonuses included huh and the other thing I'd say is if you buy a practice you're also going to make more money right and not a lot of people do that <laughs> right
0: right yeah and I, I've talked a lot about that on this podcast just not a not only with, with my interest in business and, and my goals of owning my own practice one day. But um, a lot of people will ask, well, how can veterinarians make a better living? And, and just like you said, that is one really good way to do it. And, and we hear that time and time again.
1: Yeah, but the problem with the student debt is it makes people really risk averse. Right. A, a common experience that I've, that I've had is I'll do a plan for someone and they'll just basically be expressing all kinds of anxiety about their life, about their future, about uh, just whether or not that they can even pay for dinner when their friends go out to eat, <laughs> right? Uh, just all kinds of things. And and what's interesting is if you look at the math behind vet school loan repayment, it's actually a lot more advantageous to be an owner than it is to be an associate. But a lot of people don't understand that, right? Because they think that they have to go be an associate so they can earn that guaranteed income to pay the big debt. Sure. When in fact, what you really want to do is go out and shield a lot of that income from taxes and lower your adjusted gross income. Which lowers your student loan payments, which can increase the value of a long-term loan forgiveness strategy.
0: Interesting. Well, cool. Let's get into some of those strategies because one of the the big things, at least in my experience amongst my peers and from people that I've met that are that are in veterinary school, is that there's a lack of understanding on on what happens when we graduate. So, Mm -hmm. um, I guess what's what's one of the biggest. Uh, misconceptions or misunderstandings that that you've seen in your own clients, um, veterinarian or new veterinarians, to be specific. What's the the biggest thing that you wish new veterinarians knew about their loans when they come out of school?
1: Right now, the way the rules are written, you should just consolidate it right away and get it sent over to wherever servicer makes the most sense for the long term, because you're going to make it a lot easier to manage. There's no real downside to consolidating all of the loans all at once. When you, if you do it as soon as you graduate, if you wait, then it becomes a little bit less of a you know a definite thing to do. Um, and I would also tell them that you need to have a plan that reflects what you want in your life. Right. A lot, a lot of people will will do something because they feel like they have to, or because they feel like it's immoral to do a different path. But but no, you want to you want to have a student loan strategy that fits into your goals about having a family about having a house one day um, about where you want to live and and the cool part is the government has made it extremely complicated but the one nice thing about this is that you have tons of options so you can you can really have a lot of levers to pull to make something to reflect what you want in your life if I mean if, if vet school debt was all through the bank still you 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 know you probably in some cases would be more hamstrung than you are even though the debt's three times as high sure and that sounds that sounds totally crazy but you know, when you have these plans that you can pay 10% of your discretionary income, which is not, which is actually lower than 10% of your actual income, then you just have a lot of options available to you that can let you practice the way you want to.
0: Right. So what are the, the, I guess the top uh, strategies or top plans for repayment that, that you see uh, at least, or uh, that you recommend for your clients?
1: I mean, at, at this point, most people are, are, are not on the IBR, the income based repayment plan. Most people are, are no longer on that one because that one came out a while back. It's 15% of your income. And the new plans that people tend to choose between are the pay as you earn plan and the revised pay as you earn plan. Okay. And those acronyms for those plans are called PAYE, which is pay, and then REPAYE, which is repay. So, these two plans are 10% of your income. And if you remained single forever, <laughs> then uh, you know, perhaps it's, it's fairly straightforward to figure out what you wanna do with your, your loans because you're never having to worry about including a spouse's income. You're not having to worry about having kids and how that affects the payments. And, uh, and, and I guess you'd still have to worry about the tax bomb if you're working in the private sector. Mm-hmm. But, but the, the real kind of complication with pay and repay is is uh when you get married because you can exclude your spouse's income by filing separately or you can include your spouse's income by filing jointly. And the pay plan gives you that option to exclude the spouse's income and the repay plan does not. Okay. And um and so it's you know it's it's the, the repayment plans, you know, are, are are fairly complicated. I guess that's why I have a, a business. Right. Um but in general let's kind of Paint some pictures. So let's say we've got um Sarah who's graduating um Mizzou and, and let's say that she left with uh let's say she's an out-of-state student. So what what do you think, Seth, that she would leave with if she was an out-of-state student?
0: Oh, I would say 250.
1: 250, I think that's that's the number that I was thinking of too. So let's say that she graduates and makes 70K starting. So her debt to income ratio, so her debt divided by her income is uh greater than two to one right so since it's greater than two to one and it's really never going to be below two to one um even if she buys a practice if she, she would probably be able to hide her income so so given that it's probably never going to be below two to one forgiveness is, is definitely probably the, the, the thing to do there um, the question is is well how how does that fit into her you know sarah's future so she's probably going to need to save for this tax bomb because once you pay on these loan forgiveness programs, you have to pay taxes at the end of it. Sure. So, so she'll have, you know, some sort of six figure tax bomb and then she needs to choose, does she want to go for the 20 year pay forgiveness or the 25 year repay forgiveness? And, uh, and some of that's based off of, you know, the tax bomb that she's going to have. So that's, that's a little bit more of a, a straightforward situation. So, so basically, Sarah needs to realize that she needs to save as much uh, of her income in retirement as possible so that she can lower her payment. So she's got to understand all of her retirement options with uh, vet practices. And they're not easy because vet practices, you know, oftentimes they'll do a simple IRA because the small business doesn't want the, the once doesn't want to go through the effort of setting up a 401k. Sure. Um, and sometimes it is a 401k if it's a bigger corporation, but basically Sarah needs to max that. And so, I would have a discussion with her about why that's important. And then she also needs, needs to put some money away in investments so she can pay that big tax bomb one day.
0: And, and just to clarify, when does the tax bomb actually come?
1: So it's depending on the loan program that you choose. So if you choose the pay program is 20 years, if you choose the repay or the IBR program is 25. And if you choose the PSLF program, which we haven't talked about, that's the public service loan forgiveness program, then that actually does not have a tax bomb. You have to work in the government or a not-for-profit and it forgives the tax bomb tax-free, I guess, in in 10 years.
0: Okay. And going back to your point about making sure that you put enough away for retirement and saving and and investment, correct me if I'm wrong, this is all to lower your your taxable income or your reportable income um, so that your repayment can be lower.
1: Right. So I'll give you an example of this. So let's say... Sarah's got the 401k through Banfield and uh, she's saving in it and she has the opportunity to save up to 18500 mm-hmm. So the benefit there is if she maxes her retirement account, 18500 that knocks her income down by 18500 if she does the pre-tax option. And then that's going to save her uh, 10% of that on her student loan payment for the next year. So that's $1,850 that Instead of going to the government, will be, you know, will be retained by her. Right. So that's pretty cool. So that one thousand eight hundred fifty is is basically like additional tax savings that you're getting by putting money into your retirement. And most veterinarians, I don't know about the ones that you've heard about, uh, they don't tend to retire uh, in their fifties. Right.
0: <laughs> Definitely not. Um, and then you mentioned about the re- or the uh, excuse me the loan forgiveness. Um, which i know that we've we've heard a lot about and and again, correct me if i'm wrong, but is there some some gray area about whether or not that, that may still be around when it's time for us to to hit that mark in in our loan repayment?
1: That's a great question. I get this from a lot of different people and i think it's it's you know, when when you're a professional and super specialized like like DVMs are, you kind of have a you know, at least sort of a, a very focused view of the world in your profession and you know your profession and one of the cool things of doing the business the way I've done it is I get to see a lot of different professions. And so there's going to be millions and millions of people that are going to owe so much relative to their income that they're never going to be able to pay it back. Right. So what is the government going to do with these millions and millions of people? Are they going to force them into a a 10 year repayment plan and destroy the economy? (laughs) No. Now, could they make changes to the repayment plans that tweak the terms of the forgiveness? Yeah, I think they are their power to do that. Mm -hmm. But if they did that the chances that it would be better than they currently than it currently is is greater than it, it being worse than it currently is because the current setup is that you have to pay this 10 percent of your income for 20 to 25 years and you've got to pay a tax bomb at the end of it right well this tax bomb nobody's going to be able to pay it i talk to people every day and and I'm not talking to the vast majority of people that are using the strategy. Right. Even though I talked to a lot of people and that means that there's going to be a significant chunk of folks that are going to enter uh, this period of this, paying this tax bomb, they're not going to have the funds. So is the IRS going to put them out on the street and <laughs> close down their house? You know, I don't, I don't Hopefully think not. so. I mean, I, I think that uh, if you think in some of these, some of these places, I mean, I think, all you have to do is call your Senator and say I'm middle-class and the IRS is trying to put me out on the street because of the student loan program Congress enacted, please change it. Right. You know, even if a couple hundred people did that probably you'd see some action. So I, I think that the, the folks that are worried about loan forgiveness, you need to be worried about something different than that. You need to be worried about your own personal savings rate
0: mm-hmm.
1: because if you save the max in retirement and you have a good savings rate, and you've got investments in other places, and say you own your practice too, you might have assets in twenty to twenty five years in the low seven figure range, two to three million, wow. perhaps. And and yeah, I, I know that sounds nuts to any veterinarian listening, but <laughs> you know, but, but but what you what you would want to realize is as a veterinarian, if you put away eighteen thousand five hundred for twenty something years, it's like four hundred thousand dollars or so of, of principal contributions, right? Right. And if you get a decent rate of return on that, then, um, then that would probably be close to a million in your retirement account. And then if you buy a, a practice, by the end of the 20 to 25 year period we're talking about, as long as you buy a decent one and you, know, you, you run it well and everything, that might be maybe another 500,000 in assets. If you bought a house that you could actually afford based on like a, you know, maybe a 15 year mortgage, you might own your house too. So maybe that's a couple hundred thousand in assets. And if you invested in a um, non-retirement account at a place like Vanguard, you know, we just index mutual funds and you put maybe, you know, a thousand or 2000 a month into that, then that could be a similarly large account, maybe 500,000 to a million dollars. And uh, And this is, you know, this is just talking about a veterinarian making like eighty thousand, saving, right? You know, thirty to fifty percent of their income after taxes. It's it's actually pretty doable. the The main problem though is, is most new doctors are, are thinking, you know, oh, I'm an adult. I have to buy the house, the, the the one that's three and a half times my income, not two. Right. I've got I've got to go buy, you know all this land because I'm going to have a bunch of horses one day and I'm, they're going to need all this land. And so I just, I have to buy for the future instead of worrying about right now. Right. Right. Um, and the other one that's, that's, that I see all the time is, uh, um, I was driving a clunker through vet school and now that I have an income, I, I need a new car. So I'm going to go lease this, uh, Subaru, uh, you know, Outback that's 2018 for $350 a month. Right.
0: <laughs> Right. So it sounds to me like if you are looking at your debt to income ratio of being in excess of two to one. Um, so to review in this case, you know, an out of state student coming out with 200, $250,000 in debt, which is certainly realistic, unfortunately, in in uh, in today's world, loan uh, forgiveness is definitely something to seriously look into.
1: It is. There's only one problem with that the, the 250 K out of state vet Sarah is probably going to get married at some point. Right. And, uh, most people do, you know, if you look at the statistics, most people end up getting married at some point in their lives. And so say that Sarah marries somebody who has no student loans, then the, um, income of the spouse has to be included in the loan repayment calculation. Right. And so then you're kind of looking at both of the spouse's incomes and deciding if loan forgiveness still looks as attractive as it did before. And you're maybe comparing that to seeing if you could file taxes separately to exclude their income from the payment. Right. And uh, that's really a case by case basis. It's always so variable. I mean, sometimes I have a, a vet married to somebody who's a similar income person. That makes a lot of sense to file separately, but sometimes, you know, I'll find somebody that's married to a very high income professional and in in that case, you really want to think about your debt as a kind of a marital thing, and and say, well, okay, maybe if if my spouse's income is so high that it's messy at my loan repayment, then uh, I'll have my spouse pay for the living expenses, and I'll dedicate my entire salary to paying it back real real fast. Right. So it it really kind of depends on the on the person. It depends on the marriage, because <laughs> I'll tell you, some some spouses love the idea of throwing money at their spouse's loans, and some of them are like. Can I look at that prenup again? Please? Right, <laughs> right. You know, um, so the good news for for vets is, uh, you know, the um, the the loans are your assets. So if you can, you know, swindle your spouse into paying down the debt, then uh, you know, if you ever did get a divorce, you know, you don't, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's that kind of that really, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It's a really advantageous thing for for you if you if you're the one with the student loans, <laughs> right? Not that hopefully anybody will have to use that, but uh, right, you know, but. But it's, and I've even had a lot of people, you know, some, some, everybody is different with their attitude towards, uh, towards family and marriage. And I've had some veterinarians basically say, look, if if you're telling me that if we have the wedding ceremony and I never turn in the paperwork, then I don't, I don't have to worry about this. And I say, yeah. And so then they say, okay, well, we don't need to be married legally. Hmm. And, and so people talk about all these studies that show that student loan, um, you know, student loans and having student loans are, are a huge, Ne- hugely negatively correlated with getting married, and and I think that's one of the reasons why. Because people people re- then maybe they get engaged and they realize, oh wow, if I get married, I got to include my spouse's income in this payment. You know, that's like could be like five, six, seven, even ten thousand a year or more. So rather than deal with that, uh, we'll just we'll just make you know some some agreements with a lawyer that give each other similar rights to a spouse, and you know we'll just basically be married. And, you know, the eyes of friends and family and maybe your you know, if you're your religious uh, organization, but but you won't actually turn in the paperwork with the government. So you're not married in the eyes of the government.
0: Right. That's definitely a, an abstract way of thinking about it. I never thought about it. Uh, yeah, there's it that way. So
1: there's yeah, there's a bazillion things that I've learned from doing a thousand of these plans. That, um, right. You, you would kind of never think about unless you really kind of see. Um, how the rules can be bended. For for example, I'll give you a real random one. Um, if you live in California, California is a community property state. So if you file your taxes separately in California, you split your income um, between the two people equally on your federal tax return. So say you're a veterinarian married to a stay-at-home dad. And so you, the stay-at-home dad's making zero, you're making 100,000. So if you filed separately in a non-community property state like New York, then you would have to pay, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, uh, you know, on your income anyway. And it wouldn't make any sense because then you'd pay tax penalties too. And it just, it would just be a mess. So you would just file jointly and just choose a repayment plan based off of filing joint. And this would be true even if the stay-at-home dad made like 20,000 a year for Mm -hmm. part-time income. Right. But in California, what you would do instead is allocate 50,000 and 50,000 towards each partner. So you would, you would have 50,000 allocated towards each one file separately because the incomes are equalized. The penalty is low. And then your payments based on 50,000 instead of a hundred thousand. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so that's just one example of a crazy hack that I've learned after doing this so much. (laughs) But, um, but I think that the the exciting part is is this. so I've had a couple of vets from Ross University uh, from St George's um, Penn, uh, some of the most you know expensive ones in the country. I think western uh University of Health Sciences I think is one of them sure and uh, and they'll come out with four hundred thousand of debt, maybe maybe even five hundred thousand. I've seen a couple with five hundred. Wow. And uh, if you have that much, what's super exciting is you can still be financially secure. And even retire in your early fifties or even your late forties if you really were motivated. Real, wow. And that's all dependent upon your savings rate because what this student loan bomb or student loan payment really is—it's not debt; it's a tax, right? Right. Because if I'm paying ten percent of my income and I'm putting a little bit away for the tax bomb one day, now I'm just paying—you know—part of my income in taxes. Well. I'm doing that, how can I save as much as possible and build as much investment value in my accounts as possible and keep my taxes as low as possible by doing all these tricks? Sure. So then that person that's got 500,000 in debt, that's making 90 K a year working for, you know, VCA or something like that. Um, uh, then, you know, you can actually try to just have as high savings rate and you'll eventually hit that level to be financially independent. Wow. That's great. Which is, kind of mind-blowing. Now, what, what's actually a little bit, maybe even more difficult is when that veterinarian that went in-state to Mizzou comes out with 150 and has got to decide whether or not it makes sense to go for forgiveness or to refinance it.
0: All right. Before we continue on with the topic, we're going to take a quick break and give a shout out to today's sponsor, Fear Free. So with the knowledge of Fear Free, you can be financially successful and emotionally wealthy by joining the tens of thousands of your veterinary colleagues who Who have become fear-free certified fear-free is an online education program that is free yes free to all veterinary students and talk about adding value to you past graduates have reported job offers that are two to five thousand dollars higher than their classmates by being fear-free certified so did you know that a two thousand dollar higher starting salary reduces your lifetime debt by fifty thousand dollars Well, that's right. This amazing online education program, it's really sweeping veterinary medicine, is free to you and will allow you to do well by doing good and be financially successful and emotionally wealthy. It's the greatest profession on earth. So don't delay. Go to fearfreepets.com and light the booster rockets on your career. All right, Travis. So let's continue where we left off. But let's flip the scenario we were talking about around for those students that are fortunate enough to come out with, um, I'll say a lower amount of debt, even though it's still going to be six figures, um, is what's your recommendation there? Because the biggest question that I have, and I've asked a lot of people, uh, a lot of people that have been on the podcast actually about, um, and I get uh, sorry to take a step back. Um, this is kind of relating to whether or not you want to buy a practice one day is the question of, should I work on paying my loans off quickly? By by putting a lot more into them, a lot more of my income into them early, or should I pay as little as possible, so that I have more capital, uh, more money in the bank to to buy a house or to buy a practice or or uh, what have you? Um, what's your take on that?
1: Sure, I mean that's that's a good question. Um, so for it, so it's going to depend on the person's life situation. So if you've got 150K in debt and you're making about 80,000 a year, you're below the two to one debt to income ratio, but it's, it's not quite that simple. You want to talk about your future goals. What are your future goals? You know, do you, do you want to own a house right away? Do you, are you thinking about buying a practice? Are you thinking about maybe taking some time off to have a family? Are you going to maybe reduce your hours while you have a family and then ramp back up? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what is your goal? And if your goal is I want to be a practice owner, then you're going to have a high income. Then what can kind of make sense is to take advantage of uh, something called the revised page, you are an interest subsidy. So you can put it into repay and get a portion of the interest covered instead of paying the full thing without even having to refinance. Hmm. And what that does is that mitigates the monthly payment that's required. And then you're able to, um, um, well, you're, you're basically able to, um, get a, get a break on that with a low monthly payment while you're kind of waiting to buy the practice and building your assets.
0: Interesting. Cool. Um, so switching gears a little bit, since we're, we're coming up on time, um, I know that you, you've helped, like you said, thousands of, of medical students, um, depending, you know, with whatever area of medicine, um, we're in and even outside of medicine, but what's the biggest benefit of having someone like you on their side, help them through
1: this. Yeah. You know, you can definitely do this on your own. Um, you know, I have a lot of blog posts out there that are free that you can read through and, and you've listened to this podcast. So you've obviously gotten some tools that, that you can use and understanding what to do. Uh, and then, you know, there's calculators out there like mine is, is, a lot of people download it. The Venn network has a lot of stuff. So you can do this on your own. I guess the, the question that I would ask you is, is that a smart thing to do? Mm-hmm. And and what I mean by that is if I had um, if I had a job that was making 50,000 a year at and all I did was make money on my W2, then I would do my own taxes and I would go on to TurboTax and I would put my information in and I wouldn't pay a CPA 500 bucks. Right. Um, but if you have six figures of student debt, uh, there is a 100% chance I feel comfortable saying a hundred, maybe I should have said 99.9, <laughs> but there's a, there's a hundred percent chance that I know a lot more about this system than you do. Right. And you could do this on your own and, and ha- come to the same conclusion, but by having student loan planner and one of our consultants figure it out for you uh, you can be reasonably certain that no big mistakes are being made. Right. And that is kind of like, um, I don't know, having a, uh, a really complicated uh, plumbing thing connected to your sewer line and like doing it yourself and you know flipping the switch and hoping none of it explodes you know right. or so, right. something like that or i, I don't know maybe a, a veterinary analogy i could make but um but you know you're an expert in what you do and you would not want somebody to watch a video on youtube and try to take care of their pet because there there's a chance they'll do okay but there's also a chance that they'll mess something up really badly right Um, so I guess, I guess that's a good analogy is, is, uh, it's kind of like a peace of mind thing The the average amount of money that we tend to save someone in a projected basis is about $62,000. Wow. So so I want to talk about that number a little bit because it's, it's kind of a crazy thing to throw out the, you know, about maybe 10% of our clients don't save anything compared to what they were already doing. And, um, and, and I, you know some of the people have told me i should charge a percentage of what we save people and i like just having a transparent flat fee like you know what the price is right. going into it you know so there's no like uh worry or anything you know you're just kind of paying for a time like you would pay any like professional and then the 90 percent of the time we're finding this you know tens of thousands of dollars in long-term projected savings and the savings come from something like this so say, <clears throat> say Tom's a vet and he, and he should be going for loan forgiveness, but he's been throwing some extra money on the loans every month. Well, that has a very specific cost of what he's doing at right. the stake. And so I can sum that up and I can tell him that this is the, the projected amount of money that you're going to lose if you continue doing that. I can sum up the value that somebody can get if we show them how to max their retirement accounts and they weren't already doing it. And that has a very defined impact on going one of these loan programs in terms of the savings that you'd have. Um, also if you're married, the way you file your taxes and the plan that you're on, you know, that again has a very specific measured impact. Right. Um, one time I had a a veterinarian who was working like 25 hours a week, part-time at a zoo and she was doing some other work, I think, for private practice. And so I helped her realize that all she had to do was pick up another five hours a week doing anything at the zoo so that she could qualify for the PSLF program, even if she was just standing there as a greeter at the front, uh, you know, of the zoo or something, right. and then she could qualify for PSLF. And that was a $300,000 projected benefit. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Totally so I mean, crazy. It's, 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 it's really, not, you know, when I was a bond trader, it was really hard to outperform the market and make a, you know, positive return and fight against all the very sophisticated people on wall street and everything. But what I love about this is I can take, my skills and apply them to this really complex mess. And the person sitting on the other side of the same uh, side of the table is uncle Sam. Right. So uncle Sam is not this sophisticated, you know, uh, shark that's looking to, uh, min- you know, maximize his profits. <laughs> he is a disinterested party in this. Right. Um, and that sounds terrible to say, but it's true. Like that's why, you know, the tax code is so gameable because the government, you know, p- people sitting on the other side of the table, they're, mainly they're just to kind of enforce the rules and make sure you're not committing fraud and, and that kind of thing. But you know, if you take advantage of the tax code legally, you can save a lot of money. Right. So it's kind of si- similar. I mean, it's, it's a way easier to way outperform the market, so to speak, uh, doing this because you're just, you're going up against somebody who is, is a, you know, kind of a, a disinterested party. Right.
0: Yeah. And I will say too, I, I will fully endorse, um, the great work you do at Student Loan Planner and, and anyone else that out there that that helps um, students uh, figure out what to do with their loans. Because if you've been listening to the podcast thus far and, and these words just seem like a completely different language to you, like don't fret because this is stuff is is incredibly complicated and incredibly foreign to us, and it takes someone like Travis to to help us through it. So even if um, someone like Travis w- that's going to charge you. Uh, you know, a few or $700 to figure all this out, just think about it over the rest of your life or the rest of the life of, of this loan. And especially if we're talking about, um, you know, hundreds, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, um, you know, that's nothing to joke around with. So um, it, it, I, I, when you were making those analogies about hiring people to help you do things that are a little more complicated, I, I always thought of the analogy of, you went to go buy a, a Ferrari or a Maserati or whatever it was, and these things are, are going to cost you two, three $300,000, just like a loan, uh, I, I wouldn't trust myself to change it, the oil on it. I would take <laughs> it somewhere that they know what they're doing. I'm not going to mess around with something like that. Um, so don't be afraid to, to spend what seems like a lot for the help and for the guidance, uh, because in the grand scheme of things, uh, even though it may hurt to pay, to pay a little bit right out of school to, to figure this out because we're not making a whole lot as it is. And we've got a lot of debt. Um, you got to look at the big picture and, and down the line. So, um, I think that could, that could help us all out a lot because we're, uh, we've got a, a really big mountain to climb with all of this debt and trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, and it's hard, it's complicated and that's, um, that's nothing to be, be well, ashamed and- about
1: and and you know to to kind of mention an elephant in the room i mean everybody knows in the profession the the struggles that a lot of veterinarians are facing with mental health issues right so i mean and i think that you know part of that is because of the clinical demands and just the the intensity to which you know people have to help uh their patients and there's the frustrations that you go through but part of it i think is a sense of feeling trapped of feeling like you don't have an exit you don't have a route uh outside of what you're doing day to day and and just you i think that the the pressure uh, that you're put under clinically, financially, debt-wise, it just makes you feel hopeless. Right. And I, I love being in the uh, the hope game <laughs> because you know you you definitely have um, you know the opportunity to fix everything, no matter how bad your situation is. Right. And and so you know I just I like to think that if I do this long enough, if I have a large enough sample size, I might even be able to save you know I might even have a small impact on helping save someone's life. Sure which is way more rewarding than getting a little bit of extra return for rich uh, people that invest in bond funds. I would no, say offense so. to, no offense to the former nope. clients that I that had, but okay. uh, you know, but, uh, but I think the you know, veterinarians definitely get the short end of the stick because I think that the, the AMA American medical association, they lobbied a lot more effectively when the last round of student loan uh, rules got written mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the, the kind of the, the veterinary profession, the dental profession, some of these other professions that are smaller, um, that don't have as much political power kind of got left in the dust with the rule writing. Right. Um, and uh, so I'm hopeful that this next round of, of rule writing is coming up, actually. I'm not exactly sure when it's going to happen. It's going to be for folks that are taking out loans in the future and, and folks that currently have loans are going to get grandfathered in, even if you're already in school, Right. is is the expectation. But they're going to rewrite the rules. And um, yeah, I really hope the AVMA and, and the veterinary profession is paying attention this time. Definitely. Um, because it's just going to be a real game changer uh, in terms of what the cost of a vet school is going to be like um, in the future. And I, I think that you're, you're seeing, you know, so many um, folks kind of realizing that the, the cost of the profession is, is very high and, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens to vet schools. I've, I'm hearing things at the vet schools that the the applications per seat is, is, uh, is dropping. Um, and, and at some point, you know, veterinarians are going to be kind of in a bargaining uh, position for, for price for, for school choice. Right. And, and when that happens, you should aggressively, uh, utilize that. Sure. So I'm seeing that a little bit in the pharmacy world right now. A lot of, a lot of pharmacy schools got, got created almost overnight and now there's an oversupply and a lot of pharmacists, um, don't realize that they can negotiate the, the, the cost. Right. Um, so, so I think we have a little bit of ways to go with that with, with veterinary medicine, but, um, but I guess the, the the message that I want people to leave with is just there's hope no matter what you're doing, and you know whether or not you use Ven or you use StudentLoanPlanner.com or you use some other resource, use it because there's so much stuff out there now to help. When you know a few years ago even there there was like nothing, um, so get help. <laughs> right.
0: Don't, I guess, don't I, do this alone. Yeah. It, it's not worth the anguish and it's not worth messing around with that much money. Um, it's okay to ask for help. And I know that that's a, sometimes very hard for, for veterinary students and veterinarians to do is, is to ask for help. But, um, I think of, of all things, this would be a really good thing to, to ask for help on.
1: Yeah. And I, if anybody wants to reach out, I, I try to do a good job of like steering people towards, uh, you know, other things. If I think that they're not a, you know, that we can't help them with a consult or anything, but my email is, is Travis at studentloanplanner.com. Anybody can just reach out and tell me what you know what's going on, what your loan situation's like, and if you've got a lot of worries or anxiety, tell me that too. Okay. I've had pe- I've had people on the phone break down in tears. Uh, I've had people just have massive life changes happen. I had one veterinarian recently who Realized that um, there's this, there's something called the the foreign earned income tax exclusion, mm-hmm. which means that you can go earn money overseas and report like zero in your U.S. taxable income. Hmm. And so I made I made them realize that they could pay zero dollars a month if they moved back uh, with their spouse to Europe where they're from, hmm. and uh, because they went to an overseas school and and got U.S. federal loans or a citizen, and and so I just heard this really long pause, and the veterinarian was like if I had known that we never would have left Europe three years ago oh, man. <laughs> and, and now they're moving back. <laughs> so, wow. um, so that's kind of crazy. I mean, sometimes I have calls like that. It's, it's pretty, pretty intense. That's, so that's crazy. You never know. You you might be moving to Europe after our conversation. Yeah,
0: maybe <laughs> that sounds good to me. Cool. Well, um, so tell us where we can find out a little bit more about student loan planner and, and the, the ways you guys can help us.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, one, one thing you could try out is, is uh, this quiz that I made. It's com slash refi dash quiz. And it kind of gives you an indication as to whether or not we think that refinancing would be in the best interest of, of you or not. And so that's a free tool. Um, com on the homepage, there's a bunch of different tabs you can click. If you're already kind of convinced that you need this help, then you can click the hire us button and uh, just book a call there. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, we we have you work with a person based off of how much debt that you have. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want more proof first, you know, we have a calculator that you can download and that you can mess around with and, and see how your loans fit into this calculator in terms of what path might be the cheapest. And um, you can also, if you're, if you know that you need to refinance, if you've got a hundred thousand of, of vet school debt, you're going to make 90 coming out of school and, and you know, that's the right thing to do. Then, uh, then you can also just click different links on the refinancing part of the site, and uh, get a cashback bonus. Wow. So that's that's um, kind of another way we've tried to structure things is my, my goal is to try to get people the best value, the best deals. And so I take the, there's like referral links that you can get with working with banks for every time somebody refinances your, your student loans or your link, you get kind of a kickback. And a lot of websites out there will retain 100% of that. But what I try to do is, is give out the majority of that as a cashback bonus, uh, because I just think it's it's your money anyway. Like I don't think I should get the full referral. And, um, and so I'm, you know, trying to get people kind of help wherever I can, um, with that. So, so yeah, I guess those are a couple places to start. I mean, the, the, the website is, is pretty, um, you know, pretty thorough and you can even go onto the blog and look on the, on the right hand side of the page. If you scroll down a bit and you'll find the veterinarian, um, category, you can click on that and read everything I've ever written about veterinarians. And it's, it's quite a bit at this point. cool
0: Awesome. All right, Travis. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. This has been incredibly helpful. Um, I know we got into the weeds a little bit. So like I said earlier, if, if some of this sounds like gibberish, do not worry. That's okay. It sounded a little bit gibberish to me too. And I've heard this probably a couple dozen times. So um, I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and trying to make sense of this for us and, and offering your services and letting us know about other people that do the same. Um, because we all know that we could use a lot of help in this, in this area. Um, so before we go any, any last words of wisdom, uh, for us, veterinary students,
1: I would just say, get a plan. Your future self will thank you.
0: Terrific. All right. Well, thank you again, Travis. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. So one more time, a huge thank you to Travis Hornsby for joining me on the podcast today. Be sure to check out more about Travis and student loan Planner. At studentloanplanner.com. And thanks once more to today's sponsor, Fear Free. Don't miss the great opportunity to learn more about Fear Free and become Fear Free certified, which is currently complimentary for veterinary students. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. And last but not least, thank you for listening to the Vet School Unleashed podcast. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and let us know what you think about the podcast. For resources and more information about the podcast, check us out at www.vetschoolunleashed.com, or find me on Instagram at Seth The Almost Vet and on Facebook. You can also connect with me via email at Seth at vetschoolunleashed.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's podcast, and would also love to hear any suggestions uh, or topics you'd like to hear us talk about. Even reach out if you want to be on the podcast and share some insight of your own thank you again and we'll talk to you next time on vet school unleashed dissecting the dvm